0: We're sort of dedicated to that anatomic pathology uh, spectrum. We are a resource to those who contribute to quality patient outcomes. Our mission is to bring together cooperative industry partners dedicated to advancing anatomic pathology to benefit patient care by advocating and fostering quality education and best practices.
1: Welcome to the People of Pathology Podcast. I'm Dennis Strink. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. I think we all know how important pathology results are to patient care. So what happens when you get together representatives from different companies in the pathology industry and focus on improving patient care? Well, you get the Anatomic Pathology Patient Interest Association. Today, my guests are two of the board members of this group, Robert Lott and Joshua Greenlee. We'll talk about each of their backgrounds, we'll look at what Appia is, and specifically the TOPS program, and how you can get involved with this group. All right, here are Robert Lott and Joshua Greenlee. So first, I want to get into kind of each of you, your background, because you both have a background in histotechnology, which actually I do too. So I want to find out how you both got into this field. So Robert, let's start with you. How did you get into histotechnology?
0: Oh, wow. It's interesting. Uh, right out of college, I had a job in a small private lab working with an experienced histotech who, who was there. There was some histo being done in that lab, but mostly uh, we stained pap smears. And I mean, lots of them. One and two slide cases, uh, they were all conventional pap smears back then, but while I was there, I worked hard at becoming certified uh, as an HT. I realized the value of that. Then I went on to get my HTL. Uh, shortly after that, I moved uh, on to a job in academics at the University of Alabama in Birmingham in surgical pathology. I stayed there for many years uh, I started their first immunohistochemistry lab, and I fell in love with that science while I was there. That was uh, back in the late 70s, I believe. I became involved shortly after that with the Board of Registry at ASCP. I went on to be the vice chair and chair of the histotechnology exam committee there at ASCP, while I was at ASCP, we started the uh, immunohistochemistry qualification. Oh, okay. That's the that's the QIHC. The QIHC, yes.
1: Okay. Okay. That's interesting. All right, uh, Josh. How about you? How about you? How did you get into histotechnology?
2: For me, it was kind of like we hear stories for most of the histotechs. Uh, it kind of fell into it on accident. I was going to uh, yep. Arizona State and. Uh, Needed to find a a job that allowed me to work uh, overnight, so that I could go to school during the day. And uh, luckily, nearby there was a a large laboratory. I started there, the kind of the specimen management area, doing you know data entry and playing with blood tubes and that sort of thing. And then, as uh was there a couple of years, I found out next door histology was going on and all the cool stuff was going on over there. So, uh once I got my undergrad finished. I decided to uh, switch and move next door and histology and see what that was all about with all the biopsies and body parts I saw going through that door for years and uh, kind of have been there ever since. Started just as a regular bench tech doing primarily a sessioning and lab aids type stuff and, you know, learned everything uh, as I went along and uh, eventually just grew and grew more interested in it as I was uh, finishing other classes and doing that sort of thing. And decided I was already in the laboratory and had the degree and had served some time, so might as well get my HT and then eventually got my HTL as well. And uh, shortly after that, I was like, well, no one knows who we are, so uh, how do I help uh, in that regard too? And we luckily had a histology program here at Phoenix College, uh, so I got involved with that, starting just uh, doing as an adjunct to teach a couple of classes and then Uh, eventually also took on some education coordinator positions and that sort of thing. And it's just been one of those things that I didn't mean to be here, but, uh, wound up landing here and, uh, and it stuck. I've been here ever since. Yeah. A lot of that sounds pretty
1: familiar to me. Like I didn't know what histotechnology was until I got hired as a lab assistant in a histology department. So that's yeah, a lot of that. I I can relate to that. And you mentioned the uh, working with a training program. And I know this is something that both of you are involved with uh, in different in different places. And I'm curious about that, because like a lot of the lab professions these days, there aren't enough or it seems like there aren't enough of the training programs around. So I'm curious why you think that is. And maybe what are some things we can do about that? And uh, Josh, why don't we want we stay with you first?
2: Yeah, I think we just don't have a very good uh, PR team, I guess when it comes to histology. We're kind of I used to always joke that it's like we were the uh the elves uh working in the shoe shop at at night, you know, the the work comes in and it just magically gets done for the next morning. You know, part of it is because we're out of sight and out of mind a little bit and we're not as common. I mean, people are used to phlebotomists. They go in and get their blood drawn. Uh they give a urine sample, you know, whatever the case might be. So that's something that they're more Familiar with, and they have interactions with those people, uh, sometimes even the lab people, like related to that. Uh, with histology, you know, the reality is at some point in time, everyone, whether it's themselves or a family member or a friend, is probably going to have a biopsy done, but hopefully it's something that happens rarely or every once in a while. And the way it works, and it's, you know, it's sometimes the biopsy is done or You know, when we're out and unconscious uh, uh, or going through a surgery, so the people aren't really familiar with it, that part, and then it just magically gets whisked off to some other area and no one really knows the, all the processes and everything else that go into uh, treating and setting up and staging a biopsy to get it to a a slide for the pathologist to just miraculously get a report later on. So I think that's part of it is just people just aren't familiar and they don't see all of that process. And it's not talked about a lot either, because uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of the times it's dealing with something like cancer, which in many cases is could be a life altering situation. It's not always a positive sort of situation. So uh, I think we just don't get talked about it much. And, um, you know, I see a lot more activity, you know, with people and even programs boosting their, you know, phlebotomy and med tech and nursing and a lot of these other things. Yeah. And of course, all those areas have shortages as well. Uh, but histotech, we kind of seem to be the the odd man out in uh, in a lot of regards. Uh, and even, even in the hospitals, a lot of the times we're located in the basement down by the morgue and folks don't even know where we're at. So I think that's part of the the problem. And there's just not a lot of programs. I mean, right now, I, I don't believe there's a, a NACLS accredited program to for, for even each state. So there's not a lot of opportunity in terms of the education part of it or hasn't been uh, really either. So I think it's just getting the word out, like what you're doing here with this podcast, getting people interested in the in a topic that's, uh, I think Robert and we all think are interesting. Uh, and then, uh, try to uh, encourage folks to, to go through the programs that do exist by letting them know that they exist.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I agree with that. Uh, Robert, how about you? What What are your thoughts on the state of
0: histology programs? Well, I, I agree a, a lot with what Josh just said. Certainly, uh, we have a PR problem, but I've kind of always had a passion for histotechnology training and certification. I was a virtual, what, what's called a virtual online mentor for uh, students enrolled in the program at Harford Community College in Maryland for years, for for more than 15 years, and I just gave that up Uh at the beginning of last year. So I, I really uh, valued that experience and uh, was uh, really uh, a wonderful experience for me to mentor these these students. So why is there a histotech shortage? You know, I, I think that uh, there are kind of a lack of training programs, as Josh pointed out, There, there's not a program for each state, however, uh, there are tw- there are histotech training programs in more than 25 states uh, right now. At least half of the states have a program. Some, there are about 46 histotech training programs altogether now. Some states have multiple programs. I know Texas has probably five or six different uh, histotech programs programs. Uh, The majority of these are all university and community college-based programs, and you get some education uh, along with the histotech, the practical histotech training in those. A couple of these programs are online programs only where you are working full-time in a laboratory doing Histotechnology and histotechnology related things, and taking the course uh, online, and you're granted a certificate, and you become eligible for the for the certification exam that way. You know, I think there's also a, a lack of uh, career development opportunities in histotechnology as well, and I I really believe that COVID really dealt us a pretty big blow, uh, altogether uh, over the last couple of years, both uh, in the training of, uh, uh med techs and CLS, uh, type people, uh, MLTs and histotechs. And I think it's had an effect, uh, stigma attached to people working in the lab.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, the COVID has definitely had an impact and even just a lot of, we have a lot of folks that were in the industry that are aging uh, and, you know, they were getting to the point where they were getting to retirement anyway. And a lot of them were actually holding on because of the shortages that existed even pre COVID. And then once COVID hit and a lot of the laboratories were uh, not getting all the biopsies through for those elective surgeries, or they were being forced to potentially furlough folks, you know, some of that experience that we had in the industry decided, well, now's the time to finally retire. And on the opposite side, uh, I know personally a handful of folks that were, you know, lab aides or beginning techs that were developing and working in the laboratory to become histotechs, uh, but they were faced with that same uncertainty that you know they may be getting furloughed or the elective procedures may be stopped for a while. Uh, so the molecular lab and that was doing all the COVID testing and some of the other laboratories who were hurting because of shortages as well said, "Hey." come on over and uh, we'll, we'll help you out and we'll, we'll train you. And they moved over to the other side and uh, things are a lot more automated on the other side. And uh, a lot of those cases, those, those folks stuck. Uh, I know a few of them that were like, you know, I, I I thought histology was really interesting. uh, But then, you know, now I've moved over to the other side and I'm not going back. So I think we, we lost some potential histotecs on both ends uh, due to COVID. And it made a situation where we were already having shortages before COVID uh, even worse. I think it kind of increased it almost tenfold in some some areas and some regions of the country.
1: Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Just from kind of my own personal experience. I, I, I think I saw a lot of the things you guys are talking about, too. So currently, both of you are uh, are working in, in industry. And I'm curious about that, how, like how you made the transition from, you know, be, being like in in a hospital setting or clinic setting or you know lab setting, whatever it was, and made the jump to industry. Like how and why did you make that uh, change? So, uh, Robert, let's
0: go back to you for this one first. Well, as I described earlier, I've worked in the in the clinical lab setting uh, and academic pathology for almost. 30 years before a a colleague of mine whom whom I've known for years and years through our work together at ASCP and at the uh, CAP NSH Histotechnology Committee. She recruited me because she knew about this passion I had for, for training and for quality assurance and Whatnot, and uh, I got re- I got uh, recruited to come and join uh, Roche Montana by by her, and to become the manager of quality assurance at at Roche uh, Tucson at uh, Roche Tissue Diagnostics. I was very tentative uh, about the offer at first to leave academics to leave the clinical laboratory, which I had so many invested so many years in before, and uh, but I decided to make the jump, uh, move to Tucson, and I've been here now for about 10 years. Okay, and can you kind of t- like tell me what, what is sort of what your, your current role is at, at Roche? I am the manager of External Quality Assurance, and I have relationships with all of the EQA groups all over the world, Roche being a global company. I interact with the principals at, that run the EQA programs at CAP, at uh, CPQA, the Canadian-based uh, uh, EQA, UK NECWAS in, uh, in the UK, uh, Nordic QC. We have relationships with the EQA groups in France and Spain and uh, Germany, and uh, additionally, a uh, relationship with the group that runs uh, the um, quality assurance and EQA programs in Australia even. So uh, that's my current role. I also uh, am involved with a group uh, that does market access uh, trying to get our high medical value assays uh, into the hands of the people that need them. Okay, that sounds
1: really interesting. Uh, Josh, how about you? How, How did you make the jump to industry?
2: Uh, kind of, uh, in the same way I made the jump into histology, it was a bit by accident. When you get into histology, uh, sometimes it's easy to think, well, this is it. This is, you know, I'm going to be turning a handle on a microtome or staining slides. But the reality is there's actually a lot of opportunities that can grow out of what you understand and what you learn in histology. And, you know, some people, they take that education and they go on to the next step and they become pathologist assistants or you know, uh, physician assistants, even pathologists in some cases. And, uh, you know, others become hospital or lab administrators. Uh, And for me, uh, going in the laboratory, you know, I was looking kind of more along that line. And then we worked or I worked at a a large throughput laboratory here in Phoenix. And it was a Kind of a hub and spoke type laboratory where we had a lot of work coming in from different hospitals and things, so there's a lot of logistics and that sort of thing, so workflow and the productivity and uh, trying to keep the risk down in a situation like that was a challenge and that's what I was doing uh, at the end when I was working at the laboratory is uh, I was a production manager and uh someone who uh, uh, we came uh, to we used their, a lot of their equipment. They they came into the laboratory just curious uh, you know how we used it and how we managed the workflow and, and being in such a large laboratory. And uh, evidently, I answered some questions correctly. Shortly after that, uh, kind of like Robert, uh, you know, got the uh, recruitment from that individual saying, "Hey, uh, would you be interested in uh, moving to California and uh, helping us out on our side?" And that's when I. Decided reluctantly uh, and kind of uh, uh, with a little bit of apprehension, like Robert said, uh, to make the leap and make the jump and uh, moved to California and started working at Secura Fine Tech USA in 2015. And I've been there ever since. And right now I'm the senior product manager uh, and I also do uh, workflow and productivity uh, strategies as well, uh, because that's kind of what I came for doing in the laboratory. Uh, And that involves a lot of, unfortunately, histology in most laboratories are still very manual. And with those manual kind of tedious processes, there's a lot of risk uh, and it's very time consuming. And that was what was my interest uh, going over on this side is being able to help on the other side, help mitigate some of those risks. So, you know, patient samples go through and they get their diagnosis and it's, you know, clear and no problems, Uh, but also trying to uh, make the process more efficient uh, as well. And uh, so now being able to do some of the product design and and uh, uh, being involved with some of that, and then on the strategy and productivity side, being able to go out to hospitals and different laboratories and say, uh, hey, here are some of the things that other labs have done. And I'm also Lean Six Sigma Black Belt, so I can able to share some of those uh, methodologies and things with the laboratories too to hopefully uh, give them some tools uh, so that uh, they can uh, make things more efficient on their own too. So started out as an accident, but uh, kind of made the the best of it, and I've actually been really happy uh, seeing kind of behind the curtain, if you will, on the other side when it comes to the industry part.
1: Okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty rewarding. I, I like that. That's a, that's a for both of you really. Those are good stories. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guests Robert Lott and Joshua Greenlee. We'll be right back. LabVine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn, develop and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience. The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists like us for the laboratory industry. LabVine is free to sign up and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. Okay, whether you're working hard at the grossing bench, the autopsy table, behind a microscope, or any other area of the medical laboratory, there is one thing that we all need, comfortable scrubs. The scrubs that I wear come from Dressamed. This is a company in California, and they've been making high-quality scrubs since 1980. They have a variety of styles and colors to choose from. As a matter of fact, I just bought a set of the new soft stretch scrubs, and I got to tell you, they are so comfortable. I might even be wearing them right now. You can check out Dressamed by following the link in the show notes. Oh, yeah. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for their loyalty program where every order will earn you points towards special offers and discounts. Now back to Robert Lott and Joshua Greenlee on the People of Pathology podcast. All right. So now also, in addition to all of that, you're both part of the board of the Anatomic Pathology Patient Interest Association or APIA. And that's kind of most of the reason why we're here today. We want to talk about Appia. So can you tell me about Appia? What is it and what does it do?
0: Appia is uh, one of the leading anatomic pathology organizations formed by industry partners. And that's what makes it unique is it's a group of industry, uh, uh, industries, uh, anatomic pathology leaders, if you will. And we actively engage with individuals and other organizations across all phases of uh, the specimen acquisition, preparation, and examination phases uh, of uh, tissue, if you will. We're we're sort of dedicated to that anatomic pathology uh, spectrum. We are a resource to those who contribute to quality patient outcomes. Our mission is to bring together cooperative industry partners dedicated to advancing anatomic pathology to benefit patient care by advocating and fostering quality education and best practices.
2: Yeah, as uh, Robert kind of mentioned, the the focus and it's in the title as well is really about the patient experience here. It gave us an opportunity to uh, get these industry partners together. Uh, Who normally you know we're competing in a lot of ways, but our our overall goal is really helping the patient. And whether we're competing in in products or services or whatever the case might be, the end result is we all are there and we all want to be doing activities and creating products and education uh, that is helpful for histology labs so that the patient benefits. And uh, so that's really kind of the key part. It's uh, as I said, as Robert mentioned before, it's uh, focusing on what are the things that we could do to help educate the histology community, because we talked before about there's some lack of that uh, that exists in terms of, you know, the programs and how people are going through. Uh, and how do we, with as busy as we get in the histology lab, how do we remember to focus on the patient is the end, you know, recipient of all, everything that we do, uh, that diagnosis is important. And how can we help these laboratories make sure that even when they're busy, uh, they have the tools and the education necessary to prevent, you know, doing the shortcuts and anything else that could potentially jeopardize that. So it's a it's a nice collaboration and it kind of puts us all on the same page, uh, which is, you know, helping the patient and making sure that the patient's being taken care of through all of this process.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I think sometimes because histology is so far removed from the patient that it's it's uh, sometimes easy to forget that there is a patient attached to that tissue block or, you know, or to those slides, something like that. So uh, this is an important point to make that you have to keep in mind that it is, you know, it is, uh, it affects the patient's.
2: Yeah and we've kind of always had that mantra in in the histotech world right uh, every sample that comes in typically it's it's you know someone's mom brother sister uh, even in some other areas it's someone's pet if you're working in the animal side uh, of the of the industry uh, or you know it's potential research in some cases that could be significantly beneficial to patients in the future so everything we do kind of in histology has that uh that level of importance that stems back to some patient uh and helping some patient at some way or another yeah
1: Mm -hmm. now you both mentioned that one of the things that's unique about Appia is that it's uh industry partners you know the people on the on the board all have connections to uh, different companies in the histology uh space or pathology space i guess and I'm I'm curious about this. Like, how, how do you think that gives this organization an advantage over maybe some others, or like, why why are
0: these partnerships important? This this is really a, a dynamic group of of partners that form Appia. Our current uh, industry partners include Sakura Fine Tech, Leica Biosystems, Roche Fintana, and Daco Agilent. Really, really big names in the anatomic pathology industry. Uh, uh, when organizations like this join together in these collaborations, they 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 can build dynamic programs, and we have done just that with some of the the material that we've developed uh, in uh, in Apia within Appia, and they're all around sort of common goals. They amplify. Uh, our collective mission. The collaboration results in better information and resource sharing. There are some coordination of efforts among all of these uh, all of these partners, if you will. Ability to serve more people, reach new markets, increase the quality of the the programs and services, as Josh mentioned. Greater economies of scale when these type of groups partner together. It's interesting, uh, we, we have a speech that's given be- before each of our Appia meetings, and that there's no discussion at all of competitive marketing or pricing or any of this. We're just simply together to, to form uh, this uh, material that we can share with, with other laboratories and to bring about the benefit uh, of that, one of our big, big programs, and and I think maybe we should talk about that. And that's ca- it's called TOPS, and it has has all to do with pre analytics and pre analytical, uh, the pre analytical phase of testing, if you will, and how how important uh, that phase of testing is to all of the downstream testing and results that you get. And that's been one of our big focuses in the within Appia to this point okay well let's uh, tell me about top so this is
1: tissue optimization and pre-analytic standardization I, i'm curious about this because like you said this is your main uh educational program how, how did this get
0: started like what was what was like the in- initial idea for this well, it was, as I've described, uh, uh, initially a collaborative effort and a big meeting uh, uh, among representatives from the four companies that are part of Appia. And now we we started the focus on pre-analytics and knowing how important that is, we started to put together a, a resource. It went through many, many, many edits. It went through a year and a half of edits to form the final TOPS program. We are, are dedicated to this, to this topic of pre-analytics and how important it's become in our industry. And If you go to our website, uh, you'll find uh, the TOPS program has morphed, if you will, into a number of different decks that are useful for the clinical laboratory. There is a, uh, there is a deck there for lab personnel. Uh, histotechs, uh, PAs, if you will. There's a deck there useful for nurses. There's a deck there for operating room personnel. There's a deck there for pathologists, even. And uh, uh, we have got a chief pathologist, uh, one of the most renowned pathologists in the country, uh, talking about the TOPS program and the importance of pre-analytics. these programs are very, very uh, thorough and interesting and uh, available to be downloaded from the Appia website at appiagroup.org. And uh, there are even uh, continuing education units uh, available uh, for going through and learning about TOPS. At the end, we're all working towards the same
2: goal, which is creating this slide. Uh, that a pathologist is going to, to look at and then provide a diagnosis to the patient. So we're all these large industry partners. We all have a stake, uh, in this, in this industry. Uh, and we're all working together for that same goal, which was basically to create this slide that the pathologist can look at and provide a diagnosis to the patient. So as different as we are and as large as we are, though, we don't hit and cover everyone. So, CuraFine Tech is in a lot of labs, but not every lab. Uh, Roche, uh, Agilent, uh, Leica—you know—we all play a role in this industry. Uh, but we don't touch every laboratory. We don't touch every hospital individually. Uh, together, it gives us a chance to collaborate in some of these things that are really important. And for all of us, the pre-analytics is that that key. Um, because before you can have that slide that the pathologist reads, it's all of the steps uh, that go into making that slide. And then for histology, there's a lot of steps from procuring the sample in the operating room to having it go through and the PAs are doing the grossing and and preparing it from that standpoint to tissue processing, embedding, microtomy, staining, advanced staining, all of that Going into creating that slide, and as industry partners, uh, some of us play a role in in multiple uh, areas of that. Some are more specific to certain parts of it, maybe advanced staining or so on and so forth. And this gives us an opportunity to all uh, work together uh, to, like Robert said, touch a larger overall you know population of all these laboratories and hospitals than what we could do individually, and. Uh, talk about something that's really, really important, which is the pre-analytics. And that's the the TOPS program uh, is really important. And, you know, we used a lot of resources, as Robert said, and it went through many iterations to get to this, uh, what we consider a, a very simple 10-step infographic with some industry guidelines uh, to help make sure that the pre-analytics and creating that slide uh, is is of high quality and, and of diagnostic value to the pathologist and the patient. And uh, in order to, to go through and, and do all that, we had to put together our collective expertise. And some of the steps on there seem very common sense. It's the stuff that we hear about all the time. But because we hear about it all the time and it seems like it's such common sense, it's also the things that we unfortunately take for granted a lot fixation, for example, is a real key part of the TOPS program. And unfortunately, it's very time consuming because, you know, most laboratories are using formalin fixation and we all know how that goes. But unfortunately, because of the time constraints and the turnaround time pressures and everything else, that also ends up being one of those areas that gets shortchanged or, you know, people, you know, try to skip over some of these fundamental steps. And when we do that, now we've, we've risked in those pre-analytical steps, what the overall outcome or the slide might look like. And, you know, it's histology is kind of a one-way street. It goes one direction, and there's not a lot of going backwards uh, through some of these processes. If they're not done right the first time, uh, that could be a a detriment to the patient's tissue. So TOPS was our way collectively of putting all of our heads together, uh, putting some of this information together, and trying to educate folks, uh, and laboratories and some of the schools and that sort of thing that say, Hey, don't take these steps for granted. Uh, they are really the building blocks that create that in slide. That's the the thing that's really important to the pathologist and the patient. So, um, it's been great to work with. And, uh, I know Robert's gotten to go do presentations uh, for the TOPS program at kind of really interesting places. So, uh, it, it allows us, t- uh, collectively working together to give us a lot uh, wider reach than we may have had individually. See, I, I like this a lot because not only, like you're saying, it you know, it focuses on the
1: patient, and uh, you know about improving quality and improving just the whole process all the way through. But it's also because you're addressing the entire process. So from the beginning, like the the people in the in the ORs, all the way to through to the pathologist at the end, and. Because of the reach of this, it's uh, it seems like it's an attempt at sort of standardization throughout all histology areas. Is that is that accurate?
0: We're we're moving into a a, a world where just about every cancer that comes to the lab is going to be tested uh, by molecular techniques uh, in the in the future. I, I would dare say in the next five years, every single cancer that comes to the lab will be evaluated. Ah, uh, using molecular techniques, and then back to the points Josh was making about how important the pre-analytic steps are, and how they affect this uh, this molecular downstream testing that will that will become the standard in, in the laboratory. Uh, I, I, it can't be overemphasized.
2: Yeah, and it's uh, as you mentioned, uh, it's it's really about the entire process and standardization throughout the entire process. And unfortunately, right now, you know, there's some detachment between certain areas. We don't really get to talk to the OR room or the people that are collecting the samples sometimes. Uh, In some laboratories, we we may not have good communication or direct communication, even with the PAs. But we know that all of these steps have an impact on the final Uh, piece which is that slide or uh, in the future as Robert was saying even the advanced studies like molecular testing and we're doing a lot more with digital imaging now than what we ever did before as well so this is uh, an attempt to really try to put all these folks and 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 help them all realize that they're actually part of one process you know it's easy for someone in the operating room to be like well, I, I collected my sample, I dropped it in the specimen jar, it's labeled, and now I send it off to the lab, I'm done, and, you know, wipe my hands of it. You know, it, we all know, as, gro- you know, grossing, you're fam- really familiar with that, uh, if our tissue yep. thickness is too thick, uh, or, and we're cramming tissue into a cassette, it's not going to fix right, and it's not going to process right, and therefore, mm. the stain and everything else is impacted. But unfortunately, in many cases, a lot of the times, you know, when I was grossing too, it was like, well, my job's done. I grossed it, I put it in the cassette, it's sitting in formula, and now someone else is going to take it. And we don't always remember that we're actually part of this larger, larger process that's going on, uh, which is ultimately creating in that glass slide. And the standardization is important to that. Uh, like I said, we are still doing a lot of manual processes, and the more variation that we have in those manual processes, the more risk there is for something to go wrong. And if something goes wrong in this case, most of these samples are irretrievable. They're they're not, you can't go get another blood tube or, you know, do another urine sample or something like that. If, you know, someone's getting a mole removed or a part of a tumor or a biopsy, if something happens to that tissue in this long process, there's no going back. It's gone now. So you can't just regrow the same mole again or whatever the case might be. So... Mitigation of these risks and making sure that, like I said before, that the process is done correctly the first time is very, very important. And as we get into things like digital imaging, AI, the molecular, all these steps—if we—if we make a mistake or don't prepare tissue right uh, ahead of time—that's um, going to be really costly, and it could be uh, the difference between you know a patient getting the diagnosis and the treatment and the medications or the therapies that they need right away versus potentially them, them not. So uh, it, it's, it's important to make sure that uh, all of these stages and all these steps are all working together for this common goal. And that's uh, one of the nice things that, about putting tops together and working with all these industry partners that gives us an opportunity to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I like this a lot. I think this is a very important program and
1: I will include a link in the show notes uh, to the Appia website so that people can find it and and check it out themselves. So the last thing I wanted to ask you then, since we've been talking about Appia for for a while now, uh, how can someone become a member of this organization?
0: There are multiple ways to be involved with Appia. We have, uh, as we've talked about already, our commercial members, the Leicas and the Roches and the Sakura Fintechs. uh, DECO, Agilent uh, as well, and those are our, our, our main corporate members. There's also uh, organization members, uh, if you will, a membership level that includes uh, medical centers, advocacy groups, universities, hospitals, uh, healthcare institutions, government, even. Uh, there are indivi- there's an individual membership level that are composed of pathology professionals who want to become involved uh, with uh, with Appia and learn uh, from there. There's an associate membership level, which is students, residents, other followers, histotechs who are interested in being affiliated with everything. And uh, with those uh, levels, all those levels of membership, they get access to this uh, sort of global network of peers and industry professionals that they might not otherwise have access to uh, and the ability to participate uh, uh, in APIA committees if they're so inclined.
2: Yeah, it really, uh, like I said, it's, it's right now it started with the industry partners, but we are welcoming to anyone that is interested in this topic, which I think uh, many, many of us are uh, because it all uh, relates back to uh, what we're doing and in, in the processes we do that, that help patients. And uh, as Robert said, A lot of different levels uh, uh, that people can join at. Uh, Some of them are, you know, if you're just interested in the information and and want to, you know, see what TOPS is all about, and you could be there at that level. Uh, If you want a little bit more commitment and be a little bit more involved, we have higher levels uh, for those uh, individuals as well. The goal with all this is, you know, we'd like to have as many members as possible so that we we can build this community of of folks who are interested in this topic of really the the patient outcome uh, when we talk about uh, the histology process or uh, actually even beyond the histology process all the way back to uh, even procuring the the samples. So yeah, it's a it's a great program. Uh, membership tiers are. Varying depending on how much commitment you want to do to the program. And uh, we, we welcome folks to check
0: us out and, and join. Interestingly, the TOPS program and the infographic that uh, Josh talked about earlier, they're available at the Appia Website And they're absolutely free. Uh, You you don't have to be a member uh, or a part of the organization to access that material. And one of the things that uh, we've talked about as a group is that a lot of this, we're just giving away to anybody who will follow the the route to, to get there, download the material and use it in their laboratory. We've encouraged individuals to do that. We've also uh, encouraged uh, the, the schools, the training programs, to download the topic and incorporate it into their curriculum, if you will. So you don't have to be a member to access a lot of the information that's available on the Appia website. Okay, okay. I, I like that a lot. And I, yeah, I encourage, I, I've looked
1: around the Appia website quite a bit, and I encourage people to check it out. There's a lot of information there. All right. This has been a really interesting conversation. I appreciate learning more about the two of you and learning more about Appia and the TOPS program. So Robert Lott, Josh Greenlee, thank you both very much. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. If
1: you're looking for another episode of the people of pathology podcast to check out after this one, here's a clip from my interview with pathologist assistant, Christine McCluskey, as we talk about her work with the AAPA preceptor program.
3: So actually it was Megan Pickard's brainchild, and then she asked me to take over as the chair, given my experience. Uh, I had been pursuing the AAPA for years to have opportunities to have an educational program for academic PAs, and PAs and even doctors do not learn how to be academics or to teach. So I gave a lecture in San Antonio for the status of academic PAs, and I also led a roundtable discussion in San Diego concerning constructing academic CVs, promotions, preceptorship, and uh, Megan gathered the volunteers and then created the modules. So I answered the call for the AAP PA members to help with the curriculum for this. I was placed in the behavioral module since my doctorate involves research, which is an organizational psychological approach to solving problems in academic medicine.
1: You can hear the rest of my conversation with Christine McCluskey in episode 93. All right, great big thanks to Josh and Robert. Now, a couple of points that I want to stress here that I think are really important. The first is that histology is a forward-looking process. And by that, I mean, every step affects every step that comes after it. And while quality improvement programs focus on improving our processes within the lab, the TOPS program even includes what happens before the specimen gets to the lab. So that's a bit unique. And I like that it includes that step. The second thing is, as we said in the interview, Appia is formed by industry partners. So these are companies that are essentially competitors. So I like this collaboration that they can work together to try to improve patient care, because at the end of the day, that's why we're all here, isn't it? As always, I'll have links in the show notes to everything that we talked about today. Don't forget, you can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at People of Path, or you can just connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. Together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. You can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network, and while you're there, check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Dennis Strank, and I'll talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.